Hey gang, uh, welcome to Fly Purpley, most irreverent Philadelphia Flyers hockey podcast out there. I'm Steve Chico, this is Ryan Quigley, and uh, Ryan, how's your, your summer looking, bud? You know, Steve, I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's been a pretty good summer. Um, you know, just really enjoying the sunshine, and uh, the heat's a little much, but uh, for the most part, it's been a very pleasant summer. I hope, uh, hope it's been the same for you. Uh, let me tell you, it's been real pleasant, except for the heat, the God damn heat that won't stop and my air conditioner. I still can't figure it out because my landlord screwed the window in all wrong and I can't get the screw out. Ah, insert insert meme of guy pointing pistol at sun. I would love to shoot the sun (laughs) right in the face. If I could, if I could shoot the sun in its cheery face, I would do it. The the fucking Teletubbies son with the baby. Shoot it in the face. that's Sun Baby. That's Shoot that's Ted Meat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's not good. That's not good. If I could, to to do a more uh, uh, PG rated analogy, there in Super Mario Brothers three, you can actually the sun is a foe on one level in the desert, and I think if you get an invincibility star, you can take out the sun. So if I could get the Mario invincibility star and take out the sun, I would fucking do it and live my my vampire world at night for the rest of existence. I just hope the sun becomes a black hole. Black hole sun, won't, won't you, come? you come? Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. One of the singers I greatly regret not seeing before he passed yeah, was uh, he, Chris Cornell. He had, some, uh, he had some pipes on him. He was unbelievable. He had some pipes. Oh, I loved Chris Cornell. And I know a lot of people uh, didn't particularly care for Audio Slave, but fucking Cochise. I loved Audio Slave. Like, that's. A lot of people. Okay, we're going to have to go to war in the Slack at some other point because a lot of people were giving Audio Slave shit uh, a little bit ago. And, like, Cochise is fucking awesome, guys. Get out of here. But, like, there's so many other songs too. Like, Heaven's Dead is amazing. And yeah. like, I know some of them are kind of cheesy, like be yourself. Like that's kind of like a cheesy, but like be yourself. Yeah. The instru- it's not their best. The instrumental though is great. Like the yeah. lyrics were a little cheesy, which oh, like, Tom Morello never stops. Yeah, he, no. the, the man cannot stop. I'm actually very jealous that Kelly saw Rage Against the Machine the Ugh. other night in Washington. You know, she's not the only friend of the show who saw Rage Against the Machine recently. Oh, wow. You know who else did? Our, our, oh, I know who else did. Our, Numerous people sent me this link. Our mascot of Fly Purbly, Guy Fietti, was there and losing his mind at the show. Our Lord and Savior went and took a trip to Flavortown and back, and I think he's gone a couple more times. He was losing his mind at that show. It was awesome. I love that clip. <laughs> what song was it? It was like, burn, burn, here we gotta burn. I, I can't remember... I forget exactly. I forget the name, but like it was awesome. I would just—that's my dream—is to just attend a Rage Against the Machine show with Guy Fieri, get the whole like VIP experience with Guy, and and then you know just a Flavor Town trip, and then maybe we eat like the greasiest burger in the world afterwards. Yeah, really, that would actually be a great death right there. Is get my heart all pumping from the Rage concert, and then this greasy burger with uh with Fieri finishes me off. (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be an awesome night. And think about how like just chill it would be because like obviously you know you could go to the raid show take you can just forget about the politics. There's no politics in Rage Against the Machine as a real <laughs> never never. I so can, like that's my favorite my favorite <laughs> genre of online outrage is people who get upset about Rage Against the Machine being political. When were they political? Uh, always the entire literally, time. It's literally the name. My God. Literally the name. Like, how do you listen to, how do you listen to Killing in the Name and not realize (laughs) that that's political? (laughs) I don't understand it. I weep for the society very, very frequently. I absolutely do. And I'm I'm glad, by the way, (laughs) this is yet another week where we had no idea how we were going to open the show and we just started speaking really close to the mic like this and I, we we're like what if we just open the show like this and it's gone from there so we <laughs> yeah we started off talking as quietly as possible and now we're talking about rage against the machine possibly the most angry band ever to grace the music landscape i you know it's it's very true and justifiably angry as i've realized more in my old age than when they were super popular in the 90s and i was dumb hey you're not old you are you are a shining young man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Let's go with that. <laughs> and you know, it, it it is sad. It is a sad time though because you know we just uh said goodbye to one of the goats in broadcasting. I'd be remiss as somebody who speaks into a microphone to not mention this, but Vin Scully passed away the other day, and the man is often known as the goat of baseball broadcasting if not of all all sports broadcasting he was doing it well into his 80s which is unbelievable and he was doing games by himself which is an insane thing to think about just doing an entire baseball broadcast solo simulcast on the radio and tv yeah and i know didn't he do the catch the 49ers game i don't know if he did that actually i believe he did um, cause I think he called football too. Um, and maybe I'm getting this totally wrong. I don't know, but, um, I believe he, I saw, I saw somewhere that he did the catch. The man kept busy. I wouldn't be totally surprised by that, but I mean, Vin, and the thing is, I've never, I'm not actually as big a Vin Scully fan as a lot of people are. Like I really appreciate Vin Scully, but he's not my favorite broadcaster. I think uh, people who listen to this will not be surprised to learn that <laughs> Harry Callis is my favorite baseball broadcaster of all time. Harry the K, just uh, what an amazing talent. And I just, I, I, I like that Harry the K, like, I guess that raspy, smoke a pack an hour kind of voice right there. That his home run call, that out of here, is just so good. I loved Harry the K. I loved him with Richie Ashburn. Just And I know you didn't grow up with this like I did, but it was just... I, I've been blessed throughout my life with just unbelievable sports broadcasters. I mean, Harry Callis. I didn't experience too much Gene Hart, but what I did here was fantastic. Uh, Jim Jackson, absolutely fantastic. I've been always very happy to have Jim Jackson in my life. Merrill Reese for the Eagles. Merrill oh, Reese! Oh my like, god, Merrill Reese is awesome. Merrill Reese still going, still plugging away. Fantastic. Can't even see the field. He's got to get by not... He has a guy with binoculars telling him what's going on, and he hasn't missed a beat. He's fantastic. And just all these great uh, sports broadcasters around in Philadelphia. And, you know, with baseball, like Harry Callis, Bob Uecker... I love Bob Uecker even beyond Major League. I When I did the MLB TV 
job a few years ago, my favorite part of that was getting to listen to the other broadcasters. So I got a ton of Brewers games. So I listened to Euchre a bunch and it's awesome. And I got a decent amount of Dodgers games. So I heard Vin Scully. And the thing about Scully is like, I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of just like his style, but I respect the hell out of it to be able to just be the solo guy doing a baseball game and just seamlessly, he's just the consummate pro. He would just seamlessly interject stories. Like I saw a clip somebody posted the other day where he put a story about one of the players getting attacked by a wolf when he was a child (laughs) into the play. Like it was nothing. That's insane. I don't know how, I don't even know how you make that. That's amazing. I kind of want to hear that now. I need to. I'll try and find the clip. It was pretty great. And just, I mean, it's worth looking up those old calls. He was just, you know, a fantastic broadcaster. And again, consummate professional. And we just have always been just, you know, very lucky in this area with our local teams to have great broadcasters. And it's it's tough on the national level because Scully did a ton of national games. And he's one of the few guys who could remain neutral in those national games because it's tough to be objective. It just is. It is. And, like, if you asked me to do a broadcast for a football game and the Dallas Cowboys were involved, I wouldn't be able to help myself from calling the scumbag piece of shit Dallas <laughs> Cowboys every chance I got. I will say, like... Wait, so are we just talking about local or like, because like we're now we're anybody. getting a national. Okay. Any broadcaster. I'm surprised yeah. we haven't talked about Doc Emmerich yet. Doc Emmerich! <laughs> they call it societal collapse. <laughs> That's good. No, Doc, I mean, we all miss Doc Emmerich. I, I think Doc Emmerich is a guy that I, I again, I feel like I kind of slept on during most of his career, but you don't know what you got till it's gone. And I miss the hell out of him, especially when it comes time for the Stanley Cup to be awarded. Like the ESPN broadcast, like, oh, it was a real snoozer for a pretty good Stanley Cup. And it just stunk. And and Doc would just lose his mind over everything. You know, the face off (laughs) is gone to Chicago and they've retreated into the neutral zone. He goes into the pie slice and he shenaggles his way up the neutral zone. Hey, Doc, I heard that guy's going in the refrigerator for another piece of pie. He is indeed, Pierre, and let me tell you, he's had three slices of pie already. It's an unbelievable move to go and get more pie at this point, Pierre. He was the Flyers guy, too, for a while, wasn't he? He, Back in the 80s, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Edzo, what do you think? And then they'd just be bland. But, you know, (laughs) I do miss, I miss that excitement, and, and Doc was also pretty good at, remaining he was, fairly neutral I, yeah. and objective. I never once was watching a game and I was like, he wants this team to win. You know, even though I believe he's, f- he has some sort of connection to the Penguins, I think. And I think he's a Pittsburgh guy because he loves his Pittsburgh Pirates, as uh, Craig would always point out. Yeah, yeah. And I remember him, um, I can't remember, there was this dude who worked at N- or, um, NHL Network and he left to like be the voice of the Penguins. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but he is now at he's now like the voice of the penguins and when oh, he Yinzietti. was that Yinzietti. Yinzietti, yeah and yeah Yinzietti. and <laughs> and when he joined the penguins i remember doc made a video saying i'll see you on the uh, penguins campus and i'm just like what the hell are you doing there <laughs> see you on the penguins campus what are you oh, doing doc. there you should be oh doc you should be going every what a gentleman but um, he should be. Yeah, but no, uh, he was, was very he was, was very was objective. I think for the most part, he he really was. And if we look at you know like, and it's tough. It's really tough to because 
it's tough to convey that because I, I truly think most of these guys are objective. But for instance, I think one of the worst cases of not being objective that I see on a routine basis is the, well, now it's not even the case anymore, but the old Sunday night football broadcast with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. And Al Michaels is also one of the greats in broadcasting. Yeah. I mean, he called the fucking miracle on ice. Al Michaels is one of the greats. Oh, oh but, you know what else he called? What, oh, was it the Philadelphia Eagles beating the New England Patriots 41 to 33? Tom Brady dropped it. That's what they say. Oh, he did. He did. Yep, he dropped it. Dick Foles caught it. And Philly special. Philly, Philly. Go birds, am I right? Go birds. But actually but that super bowl call was not it was good. not good he <laughs> cleared good he was he had like something against the eagles that game i felt like him and collinsworth really wanted another brady super bowl that day yeah and that's the thing is like a lot of the times i would feel and again this might not even be correct but i felt like there was a bias against my team coming from them and that's a problem with a lot of national broadcasts is people feel this all over the place you'll watch if you look on Twitter during most national broadcasts of sporting events, you'll see complaints from both groups of fans, both sides yeah. saying these guys hate my team. And maybe I don't know if it's perceived or not, but I mean, I felt like that Super Bowl with Michaels and Collinsworth was just a piss poor broadcast right there where I, I truly did not feel like the Eagles touchdowns were getting the excitement that was warranted from, I think, easily one of the best Super Bowls that's happened in the past 20 years. Yeah. And then, like, when Malcolm Jenkins, like, killed Brandon Cooks, I remember, like, after that hit, it, like, it seemed like Collinsworth and Al Michaels were just like, it was like they were like, come on, where's the flag? And they did, I don't know, it just seemed like they were just rooting against them. Not rooting against them, but it, it just seemed like they weren't really about it. The Eagles winning that Super Bowl. So, I don't know. It was a strange, strange broadcast there. And occasionally I'll catch it on the NFL network or something like that. And I'll, I'll watch the replay. Because there's very, very few championships that I could look back at and say, oh, I'm just going to sit down and watch this because right. the Eagles are going to do good stuff. And that's, you know, it's just an unbelievable game to just sit down and watch. But the call that always gets me from that game is the Zach Ertz touchdown oh. where Ertz like fumbles the mall without like it's in the air. <laughs> it never like touches the ground. Yeah. And they try and he took like he caught the ball, took like three steps, went into the end zone. The ball pops up in the air for a second and he catches it. And they acted like, oh, boy, I, I don't think this is a touchdown. Clearly a catch. And, and clearly a catch like a football move. He dove forward when the ball like it crossed the plane and it popped out of his hands because of contact of the ground. Like he completed the catch. And it's like they they kept talking about like, you know, all the precedent that goes into why it shouldn't be a catch. I'm just like, guys, you were doing so much work to make this like, I don't know. It, it seemed so odd at the time. It, it was very odd. And it felt like they were bending over backwards to, I, I don't know, almost in the favor of the Patriots, which. Come on, the storyline is Philadelphia hasn't won shit. Yeah. We need this. We desperately need this. Like, I don't know. Just, the, I guess. Football's tough, too. It is. I mean, like, everybody thinks Buck hates their team. And I truly think Buck just hates sports broadcasting. No, he, like, like, clearly. There's that clip from a few years back where he's like, you know, I don't even watch sports when I'm not working. I want to just watch The Bachelor or something. Yeah. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me at all? I feel like right, which I get it though because like I don't run into this 
and this again that's a very different situation right but like when i was running a site and just thinking about flyers hockey 24 7 i did get a little sick of flyers hockey for a bit and who could blame me because it's stunk <laughs> for the past decade but i'm feeling quite similar do, about it right now you do get burnt out on this stuff so i too understand but the key is you don't say it i know you're just being honest right but you don't say it because you truly do have one of the most enviable jobs in the world right broadcasting sports you know doing for a living you go around and watch sports and tell people what's happening it is truly a an amazing job and especially for what joe buck gets paid to do that amazing job i i don't want to hear him complain no. just don't do frank candid interviews i'm sorry just don't do it i just remember the eagles buccaneers game in like 2003 or 2002 when brian mitchell was returning the kickoff and he's just like mitchell 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 down at the 35 and it's like are you kidding me he's just saying his name he wasn't even putting mitchell how about that it's just just so flat and boring and i i hate it like i want excitement and there is a way to give excitement to both sides and that's what a guy like doc emmerich can do or on the other hand vin scully would he wouldn't necessarily get again i i'm saying this just based off of limited you know instances of hearing vin scully i know he's doing most of the national games before my time and i only heard him a few times on the dodgers broadcast but i really felt like scully would kind of just stay pretty even throughout in and that's why i call him a professional way whereas you know a guy like say jim jackson right jim jackson what i love about him is the highs are really high and then you know the lows are like oh the flyers are uh well, they're, they're kind of killing my soul right now, Jonesy. I don't yeah. know what to say. But then it's, he's gone! Like, you know, it, you get those high highs and those low lows. And what you aim to be when you're a national guy is you aim to be right middle of the road. And a guy like Buck takes it too far where he just kind of, like, sounds sarcastic about everything. And is Buck and Aikman the new Monday Night Football team this year? Oh, God, that's a great question. I was actually just thinking about this because I know that Al Michaels is now with Amazon. Because that's Ugh. a thing now, and I hate it God. a lot. Uh, let's see. So you look that yeah. up. I think Buck and Aikman are the new Monday Night Football team, which is just bizarre to think about. But at the same time, makes a lot of sense. And then we're going to get a bunch of scrubs. But I-, I wish there was a new Doc Emmerich for hockey for those national broadcasts. And I, I know guys like Kenny Albert do their best. No, and I- 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 He's fine. He's just fine is the thing, though. I just... They- I'm not about these it. guys. I know, but that's the thing. It's like they're fine, and I feel like most of the younger broadcasters coming up today don't necessarily get like a Doc Emmerich style or anything like yeah. that, right? Like the the at best they'll be at best they're trying to be pretty even keeled throughout, but uh, there's nobody that really has that like distinctive voice. And say what you will about Doc's voice, it certainly was distinctive. There was no other voice like Doc Emmerich, yeah. and hockey you need that hockey is the most under the radar exciting sport there is and if you've got a guy going out there just being like oh he just you know hit the upper part of the like you know like oh he hit the he scored top shelf great that i didn't get any excitement from that yeah but if you got jim jackson screaming he's gone and then you know the like you gotta lift people up you gotta get people 
when there's an exciting play. And again, Doc Emmerich, maybe he did it slightly a little too often with the excitement. But you know what? You got people pumped. You got the blood flowing. And that's a hockey broadcast right there. You need people to get on their feet and be pumped about hockey. Yeah, I will say like Sean McDonough has a good voice. He just, I feel like he just doesn't get excited enough when something big happens. If he could yes. do that, I would probably like him. Um, right. But it just seems. I'm willing to give him a couple years to, to work this out yeah. now that yeah. hockey is back at ESPN. But like, I don't know, with the Stanley Cup, I want shit to be dramatic. I want shit to be exciting. Yeah. I th- baseball, Vin Scully, you can be even killed because that's baseball for you. It's a long game. Yeah. You got home runs are pretty home runs, plays at the plate, stolen bases. Those are your really exciting plays. But even like strikeouts are like, you know, he struck them out. If it's a like, big strikeout, like make it feel like a big strikeout, you know, don't just be like any goes down swinging like that. Like that's not enough. Right. Right. Know? I think Scully did a good job of elevating it, you know, enough but while remaining even keel, but I get like Harry Callis, a home run. You fucking knew it. You fucking knew it. And it was great. And a strikeout struck him out. Like, Oh, beautiful. What a beautiful man. I miss him all the time. And I, I just, I worry that future broadcasters are going to try to remain too even keeled. And we're not going to get that excitement. I, most of the NFL broadcasters, I think, <laughs> Buck's one of the younger prominent guys out there, you know, which is hilarious because he's been around for forever. He's been around for forever. I mean, they're pretty, it's a pretty old club and I would love if there were some distinct younger voices coming out. Like I like Mike Tirico. I think Mike Tirico does a nice job. I think, uh, I where I where even is Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson oh. is the one guy who like loses his shit. He on needs to be stage. doing every Super Bowl. I love Johnson. I love him. He's just like, Oh my god! Can you believe it? He sounds like he's in like (laughs) he sounds like he's in uh like Judas Priest. He's just like screaming into the mic, and I love it. Bricking the law. Um, Stripping the ball, stripping the ball. (laughs) So I just found out who the ESPN crew is. The color commentators are Dan Orlovsky and Lewis Riddick. Excuse me. And the play-by-play is Steve Levy. Oh, so where did Joe Buck go then? He is now... Is he CBS now? I thought he went to Monday Night Football. I think you might be looking at the old clue. Or the old crew. Let me see. I see where Joe Buck went. You're right. You're right. It is Monday Night Football. You're right. My favorite joe buck moment and again by favorite i mean like the most ridiculous weird one is when randy moss did the fake moon and he's like that's disgusting (laughs) what a disgusting act by randy moss and then and then i actually kind of like what chris collinsworth is doing he's just like and then randy moss shoots the moon (laughs) shooting the moon shooting the moon baby all right this is i don't know i'm probably gonna eviscerate it for this but i don't hate chris collinsworth that much Oh, my man, I cannot stand I really will. Him. I'll say this, though. When he's calling a Cowboys game and he won't shut up about Sean Lee. He doesn't 
shut up ever. Like he just he loves his Cowboys linebackers, and he, I think he's no. He's got his he's got his dudes around the league that he will not shut up about. Yeah. Like John Madden used to do the same thing, but in a much more friendly way. Right. My favorite my favorite obsessive guy with John Madden was the Eagles had this center back in the McNabb days named Hank Fraley. Yes, and Hank Fraley. I always called Hank Fraley the big baby because I imagine he went to every. <laughs> party dressed as a big baby because he had a baby face and he weighed like i don't know 320 or something like that and you just put a giant diaper on and it's hilarious but john madden was obsessed with it like big old hank fraley over here boom and he would talk about (laughs) hank fraley for like five minutes at a time it was hilarious it was like him and brett Favre. he loved brett Favre, hank fraley brett Favre. Favre. the way he says brett Favre, he has like like five syllables in the b oh boy here comes Brett Favre onto the field. And it's like, I don't know. For some reason, I just, uh, that sticks with me. Brett Favre. Um, <laughs> now, did you ever hear Pat Summerall back in the day? Uh, oh, because that I got was. A, I got a problem with Pat Summerall. Okay. I, I, I was never a Pat Summerall fan. I always thought he was just, hey, hey, John, it's me, Pat Summerall. He's and so- he just sounded like that constantly. I did not enjoy Pat Summerall. When he did. Like, I thought when you put. When you put Madden with Al Michaels, I thought that was a great pairing for both those guys. Perfect. But yes. Madden and Summerall's like Summerall's putting me to sleep, and then Madden's coming in and go, "Hey, boom! <laughs> hey, look at that! That guy over there is eating a giant thing of popcorn." Pat, boom. I know, like we hate the Patriots, but I remember when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, um, and Vinatieri kicked like the game-winning field goal, literally as time expired. Summerall was just like. He kicks it down the middle, and the New England Patriots are world champion. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How did this guy get this job? He's so terrible. And, like, I just, I can't, I heard that, and I was just stunned. I couldn't, I couldn't believe how horribly done it was. Yeah, I, I never liked Summerall, but it, I, I like the guys that get the high highs. You know, I want people to lose their mind. Maybe not, maybe not Gus Johnson level of for forty-five minutes. You're yeah, just yeah. hearing him screaming. I think, Can you believe what I just saw? Yeah. You'll never. But I, I still enjoy at least going that high. Yeah, I like. I think part of the reason I love Gus Johnson is because, and this is going to sound so weird. Back when the X Games were huge in like two thousand five, two thousand six, me like I would watch it every like every event. And the crew they had doing the X Games stuff was so hype. Like, Tony Hawk was there. And then they had, like, these other dudes who, like, I'm forgetting their names right now. But, like, every time someone did something cool, they'd be like, wow! Like that. And it was, like, it was so awesome, though. And it got me, like, it drew me in. And it was just fun and exciting. And, like, that's why I like Gus Johnson. Because he makes even a rudimentary play feel just awesome and that's why i like yeah. doc too like doc will be like like a nice scoring chance happens or like something hits the pipe and it's not even like a great scoring chance it's just like the puck hits the puck it's like ah, it hits the pipe! and it's it's just i don't know it's awesome it it gives hockey the appropriate level of excitement that is actually there yeah. that you feel it's the closest you feel to being at the game yes is is that experience right there and so are are there consensus like goats for each broadcast because i think people agree on doc and most people agree on vince scully 
is there somebody that people agree on for football? Like, I, I think a lot of people agree Madden for color commentator, even though my dad hated his guts when I was growing up. But like, is there a play by play guy people agree is the best? I don't even know if people agree on a football one. Like Howard Cosell back in the day. Howard Cosell. I feel like it would have to be Al Michaels. Because like Joe Buck. Al Michaels. I wish Al Michaels had not spent those past few years with Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. And kind of just it's not on his game like he used to be. Because Al Michaels back in the 90s and early 2000s was just really goddamn good. Yeah. Yeah, he was great. And like I, I will say Joe Buck used to be terrible. I think he's gotten much, much better recently. Um, he's still not my favorite, but I think he's a lot better. I would still pick. I think Joe Buck's largely a professional. I just don't like his style. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, And I think he's a little too sarcastic sometimes. Right. Yeah. A lot, actually a lot. And I'm sarcastic very often, extremely often. And he's too sarcastic for me. And then basketball, is it Marv Albert? Yes. I'm not sure about basketball. It might be Marv Albert, even up to biting uh, somebody in lingerie or whatever he did. <laughs> whatever it was he did back in the day. Yes! It's probably Marv Albert. Marv Albert's good. Um, I did... I, I, this is a local guy, but I did like Zoom Off a lot for the Sixers. Oh, Zoom Off's great. And actually, uh, my... You know, I should have mentioned him earlier. Zoom Off, uh, fantastic guy. I wish he was still around. No, no offense, by the way, because I think... Kate Scott's doing a great job, but yeah, Zoom yeah. Off was just like, I don't know, like that. That's again, a guy who brings the excitement level that the game and the setting deserves. Yeah, I think like I just love Zoom Off, like when someone makes a big shot, bang, like that, and it just gets you stoked, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know who else gets me stoked for living and the game and everything? Oh, hold on. Zach let me take. Oh, fuck. I was going to guess. I was going to say Zach Ronaldo. Well, you know, it's all these Zacks who hit guys and they have passion and they fight guys. It's all about the name Zach. Of course. Madman McEwen, Big Mac, whatever you want to call him, Zach McEwen's back. And the Flyers' social media is making a big deal out of it. And How it's not, not warranted at all. How can you not? I mean, listen, Steve, this is Zach Ethan McEwen. This is a guy who comes around once in a lifetime. When you have someone like him on your team... It changes everything for the better or the worse, probably the worse, but it changes everything, Steve. Generally the worst. Yes. <laughs> you know what? All right. Here's my thing. I can't even like, I don't even want to dunk on Zach McCune right now because like I genuinely do like him and he's, he's got a great stash. He's, he's got unbelievable hair. He's better than Nick Delorier. He is. <sighs> and he's getting paid half the price. He is. I, you know, the amount of grit, heart, and hustle this team is going to have on the ice when those two are together, because you know they're definitely going to play together a couple times. It's going to be amazing. Let me tell you, teams are just going to be shaking in their skates. Oh, no! DeLaurier and McEwen are coming! <laughs> oh, boy, the Bash Bros are going to get us. They better. They have to be on the line together, on the fourth line. Because if, if they don't, because, like, I've heard, you know, some people saying, oh, well, maybe they're going to put McEwen in the AHL. I swear to God, Steve, if they don't have them both on the line together, I'll go nuts. Because, like, what's even the point of getting Delorier if you have McEwen? And, like, you might as if you're going to have them both, you have to have them both on the ice at the same time and just be ready to throw down in a brawl. 
What is the point of getting DeLorean? I'm still trying to figure that there out. Is for no four point. years. There's no point. Four more years. Four more and years. And an NMC. It's truly insane. But like, it's truly insane. I mean, McEwen, you bring him back for a minimum. He was a fan favorite last year. It's fine. Uh, I think this team's going to stink anyway, so they might as well beat some people up in the process. Yeah, that's kind of where I stand too. Like, if you're if you can't beat them on the scoreboard, beat their ass, and then it's exactly. Worth it. That's what hockey's all about, and that's what Phantoms hockey was about back in the day in the 90s at the Spectrum when hockey mattered. I'll hang up and listen, Angelo. (laughs) (laughs) McEwen. I would rather have Michael Roffel back, and apparently no NHL team wanted him. He signed in Switzerland. Oh, Michael Roffel. He signed with the team the Flyers lost to. In that, like, oh, wow. international series thing. Remember they lost the Swiss team and everyone was like, God. I remember. They were like, we're yeah. going to suck. It's going to be awful. And then it was, like, the best season they had the first season. Yeah, that. they because then they won that game in Prague right after that against Chicago. Yeah. And I remember that was a good day because there was a 3 o'clock hockey game to open the season. So I took a, <laughs> And it was a Friday afternoon. So I took a half day from work and went to the bar, and it was wonderful. I was stuck at work, but I had my own little office. And so I just watched the game and I closed the door and I told everyone I was working. I was just like, that's the way to do it. Yeah. I was working at a really terrible um, supplements company out in Las Vegas. Um, I don't want to say the name because I don't want them to get any recognition, but they suck so bad. And uh, I was just done with it. And um, I was like, you know what? Flyers are on. I'm going to turn this puppy on. This puppy. Yeah. <laughs> this puppy. And I think for me, it was on at noon because I was in Pacific time. Oh, so it was a nice early game for you right there. Yeah. Total normal matinee game to start the season. Yeah. I I mean, the Phillies just played a game at 1230 the other day. And for my buddy on the West Coast, he said, I woke up and the Phillies were on. (laughs) But like, that's baseball. I guess it's like normal for baseball to have like weekday day games, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Hockey, that is a rarity. And day games in general for hockey are a rarity. I enjoy it, frankly. I know some people on the blog don't enjoy it, but I enjoy the occasional Saturday day game. And that Friday afternoon one, that was just a great excuse to take a half day. And I, folks, I will take any excuse to take a half day. (laughs) Any at all. (laughs) Steve, why do you uh, take a half day today? Well, you see, I have to feed my dog. And that is why I took a half day. At PTO's my time. I'm watching the Flyers at the bar, and I'm going to scream at the TV, and it's going to be good. I wonder if Michael Roffel did anything that game. I, t- you know, we were talking about this pre-show. What are your top Michael Roffel moments? And for the life of me, I can't think of a one of them. Besides, like he's one of those guys who is just a solid player, and that's pretty much it. He was an undrafted free agent. Just the kind of guy who, like, can fit anywhere in your lineup. You can plug him in wherever. And he's just fine. So, okay. I'm doing some research here. The first game of that year, Michael Roffel scored a goal that game. In the matinee game against Chicago and Prague. So he had a, he did something in that game. And maybe that's why that team... Up in uh and swear well now now I'm getting the countries confused because that was a different thing but um I don't know maybe uh maybe that's it his performance in Europe made the European team think ha that's the guy we need that's it Michael Raffle the man the myth the legend right there was he last with the Dallas Stars yes he was with Dallas he got traded to the Capitals 
and then he signed with the Stars, and now he is no longer in the NHL. Which is, it really is surprising, because he's not a bad player. No, he's a perfectly fine, like, third, fourth liner, and I, I am surprised. But Better than Deloria. At the same time, maybe he wants to just play in the top six in Switzerland. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right. So, like, I've, I've been thinking about this for a bit. And there are only two Michael Roffel moments that I really remember. Um, neither of which involve him scoring or, like, you know, like putting together an assist or something like that. So the first one was him. Who was it? He fought someone on the Penguins and he, like, one-punched them. Or not one-punched them, but he, like, beat their ass. Um and it was well, the I guess. it was the same game that Pierre Edouard Belmar beat up. Um, I can't even remember the guy's name, but someone on the Penguins, and he like one punched him. It was amazing. Um, but Michael Roffel got into a big fight behind the net, and he was just wailing. And I was like, "Damn, I can get behind this." I will say Michael Roffel's hockey fights page is a little bigger than I thought it would be, but <laughs> you know, still about where you'd expect. Yeah, yeah. So he's got. Let's see. I'm going to count it down. He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights. Wow. Okay. His first fight was against Tom Sestito, who was on the New Jersey Devils that time. You're probably thinking Zach Sill. of his fight against Zach Sill. Yes, yes, that's the one. Yeah. Zach Sill. And that was in 2015. He fought Oye on the Detroit Red Wings in 2016. Matt Calvert who was with the Blue Jackets in 2017, Petrovic on the Florida Panthers in 2017, Moore on the Devils in 2018, Beteto on the Rangers in 21. I don't know who that is. Oh, Anthony Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. He fought Matthew Kachuk this year. What? Yeah. I had no idea. I'm going to watch it now. I can't imagine this is going to end well for our buddy. So I am looking back at, yes, here we go. This is the fight I was thinking of. Yeah, him and Zach Sill got into it, like, around the goal line. And, man, Michael Roffel, man, he had a, he could, he could throw if he wanted to. If he wanted to. He didn't usually want to, but a perfectly fine hockey player. He's one of those guys I would see be a scapegoat for some fans of the team at times, and I would be just puzzled by it. Like, why do you hate Michael Roffel? He's just perfectly fine. Yeah. And you know what? He kind of took it to Kachuk in this fight. Did he really? Yeah, he got a lot of fun. He got a lot of punches Hold in. On, I mean, most of it now. was they were kind of falling all over each other, to be honest. And it ended with them both falling. But Raffle probably got a f- he got a few lefts in there. That's the thing about Kachuk too. Like Kachuk isn't the greatest fighter, really. Like he's 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 in a weird way, kind of like Braden Shen. He loves to fight, and he never backs down. But once he's fighting, he's just kind of like flailing around a little bit. Um, I think he's a better fighter than Shen is. Oh, sure. Sure. Shen. Come on. Rabbit punch Shen. Damn, Michael Raffles really. Oh, my God. Right. That was a great fight. <laughs> that was awesome. Good for yeah, you, Yeah, he kind of took it to Kachuk. Yeah, good for Raffle there. And we'll, we'll miss him in the NHL. I would have loved him on this team over a lot of the people yeah, del- that they have. Sign because... Raffle over Delurier, man. Like... <laughs> That'd be amazing. I I honestly would be ecstatic about that. And looking at, we've looked at the roster a few times. We're not happy about it, obviously. And then I think it was Dom Lozinski or whatever the hell, however you say his name, over The Athletic, posted a contract efficiency article. I think he does this every year. And 
The Flyers, this is going to be a real shocker, guys. The Flyers didn't come out very well in this contract efficiency because they're wow. not signing guys like Michael Roffel. They're signing guys like Nick Delorier. And they fell from 17th in the league last year, a perfectly mediocre Philadelphia Flyers contract <laughs> efficiency rating that you come to expect to 28th to reflect this hellscape that we currently live in. And none of this is surprising right here. It didn't grade goaltenders. Uh, I feel fine, perfectly fine with the Carter Hart contract right now. But, you know, there's not a lot of stunners on here. Joel Farabee is one of the highest rated contracts on the team. He's got a B plus. Konechny's got a B minus. This one will surprise some people because uh, Morgan Frost has some haters, but he's got a B minus on there. He makes nothing. Okay, yeah. nothing. Leave Morgan Frost alone for one year. Okay, if he sucks this year, trash him all you want. Give him one more year. Honestly, I don't hate that contract that. really because like he's he is still young and he does have talent. They just need to like yeah. let him be talented. Let let him play. Yeah, you know he needs to actually play games. So that's he can't score goals unless he plays games. But he's got to see what we got. Atkinson, Lawton, JVR, and Couturier all with C ratings. Delorier. D plus and Kevin Hayes with a D minus. Ouch. Yikes. On defense, TDA's got a name minus. Yeah, I know. He's got a lot of offense. But he, I will say he did. So Dom did kind of um, throw a little bit of water on TDA getting an A minus because he basically said the model really loves offense. And right. it's going to be a whole different situation this year with him coming in. They're not really being much of like you know like he's not gonna have uh jacob um uh what's it? jacob slavin next to slavin, him slavin. and like it's gonna be it's gonna be different so he said like yeah it's probably not actually an a minus oh, i see i see well yeah you know, he's still one of the higher rated ones up there yeah sandheim b minus ellis b minus but he'd only exists in our mind so it doesn't really matter right. sailor with a c plus because he doesn't make anything just like just like Morgan Frost. Proveroff with a C minus. Ouch. And of course, the biggest ouchie, and we talked about this last week, Rasmus Ristolainen and Risto with a D minus. And there's no surprises. I pretty much agree with every one of these assessments. Kevin Hayes, I might quibble, would be more in the C range, but I I can't I won't argue very passionately against his D minus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's yeah it's hard to argue against it considering he's been really he's been hurt um and but i i keep looking back at the end of last season and how hayes played towards the end of the year and i'm like oh okay maybe his contract isn't that bad you know so like i don't know for right i would put it at like a c something but like i understand why it's a d minus i would still say deloria's contract is worse though Oh, for sure. It's and because of the term. Yeah, the, the term on that is really like I can see paying that for a year or two, right? Because we want to bring toughness back to the Philadelphia Flyers, yeah. but four years. You don't need four years. <laughs> it, it like every time I hear this, it's just like a somebody's playing a new fresh prank on me. Nick Deloria is going to be a flyer for an entire presidential term. He's actually going to be the host of the World Cup when it's in Philly. What if the reason they hired him for four years is because he's going to be the president of the Flyers? I, at this point, anybody could be the president of the Flyers. Look in the mirror. It's you. <laughs> it's me. Wow. That would be awesome if that just happened. That just Congratulations on your promotion to president of the Philadelphia Hockey Flyers. Uh, strap in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I'd immediately put out a like a tweet from the Flyers account in all lowercase letters. LOL. 
We're going to suck this year. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> You'll get over it. Uh, You'll get over They will never get over it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. People are still losing their minds about this team. And it's August 5th. Go to the beach, my friends. So, I'm going to be honest with this one. I We talked a little bit about this before, but like, I'm real. I hate bringing this back up. I'm still really concerned about the Couturier contract. Like, Dom has it as a C minus. Right now, I'd put it maybe at a D plus. I'm like, ah, I'm I think that's. I think you have recency bias, bias right there. Yeah, maybe. And the recency is him being injured. It's him, I yeah. think once you see, if you see him play and he plays even remotely like the old Coots, I think you're going to be fine. Uh, it's the the fact that you're thinking that he's never going to be the same because you haven't seen him play in a minute. That's why you're thinking that. But I, I think a C minus is the appropriate range until we're proven otherwise. There's that, but it's also the fact that it doesn't end until the turn of the decade. Okay. Let me put it this way. <laughs> That's scary. If he's right. But if he's based on, okay. So on his best day, Sean Couturier is Bergeron, right? So, and Bergeron has aged incredibly well. If they yeah, can figure yeah. out the injuries, I'm not concerned because Sean Couturier is a very intelligent hockey player. Yeah. He's Mr. Chestnut Checkers. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not that concerned as long as he's not getting injured more and more frequently. The injuries are the main concern for me. But I think his style of play will actually age okay because he is smart enough to adapt to the game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I haven't thought about that too, too much. But I guess I'm just so scared by the injuries that it's like, because like these aren't, this isn't like, you know, a sprained ankle or something like that. It's not like he just sprains his limbs often. Like these are serious things. Like a, like, I don't know. He's, he's got like. When the doctor says you need a bacchiotomy, it's very serious. Yeah. That freaks me out a lot. And the fact that his deal's just kicking in this year, just, it's a little, little scary. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back and he will be even better than he was before. Wouldn't that be nice? That would Wouldn't be that be something? Sure, nice? awesome. I would love that. Yeah, almost as awesome as getting a free all-star hockey player from another team, just like the Carolina Hurricanes oh. got the benefit of doing earlier this year. What a segue, Steve. That was quite well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I try my best. Max Patch, you're ready. You just added this, I think, five minutes before we started the show. <laughs> and uh, apparently Max Patch, you ready, had some words out there for the Golden Knights. Because, again, he was traded for nothing. Kind of like Ghost. Uh, no, Ghost, they actually had to give up active assets to get rid of his contract. Yeah. What a disgrace. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you don't see a lot of players of Max, you know that are as good as Max Pacioretty just being given away, you know? And like, maybe after this, we kind of know why he got traded for so little. Yeah. I mean, that's very possible, but uh, let's see these comments right here. He appeared on the raw knuckles podcast and he said, there are good sides to everything. When I first got there, it was kind of weird that there was no accountability. I'm not talking about the team. I'm talking about everyone. You couldn't feel pressure coming off anyone else from the coach or from management. I had an awful game and everyone is coming in and saying hi to me. I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. Normally we walk by each other and stare at the carpet. I even mentioned that at the end of the year. I didn't say this specifically. I didn't want this to be like playing in Montreal, but I told them 
No one is holding us accountable. If we had a bad year like this, the city would be half on fire. Here we are showing up to the rink and it's 80 degrees and it's sunny and we're getting our car washed, getting our organic food and playing golf. I was kind of like, we've got to police this thing better amongst each other. I don't want to say it was a country club, but you have no one from the outside holding you accountable. And I certainly know there's a lot of Flyers fans listening to this right now and going, that's the problem right there. There's no Ed Snyder giving pressure. <laughs> Dave Scott, sell the team right now. And I, you know. Maybe, maybe there is some validity to that. I, I don't know, but you know, it, it can be a problem when nobody really seems that concerned about actually winning. I, it, maybe that was the issue with the Golden Knights. I don't know. Like, so that's one of the things I'm, th- so the Golden Knights, like, even though they didn't make the playoffs last year, I think we could all agree they were like a really good hockey team. They just had a lot of injury pro- problems. The Flyers also had a lot of, injury they also problems. traded. They also traded for a cursed player and kind of doomed themselves by doing that. They did. They did. We all know Jack Eichel got a voodoo curse about 10 years back. And, you know, that's that's his problem. And until he gets the curse removed, that's just life. What they should have done is if they're going to get Eichel, you have to get like um, Taylor Hall, who's like a good voodoo player who you're like guaranteed to win the draft lottery every year. Like you need to offset it somehow. Um, But like. What's interesting is he was on a good team. And I know they didn't make the playoffs, but like we can all agree the Golden Knights were, are a good team when they're healthy. And for him to say and that... And they don't trade their goaltender, their Vesna winning goaltender for nothing. <laughs> yeah. But for him to say that about a team that is objectively very good, it makes you wonder... Like, the Flyers had a lot of the same issues that the Golden Knights had last year. Tons of injuries. A lot of them serious. It makes you wonder just how bad, I guess, the accountability situation was in Philly. Because, like, I mean, that's pretty much what the Flyers modeled their entire offseason around, is, like, getting torts to fix accountability and to make it a stiffer hockey team. And it just, like, I haven't been in the Flyers locker room. I'll... I'll say when I was in the Golden Knights locker room, it didn't seem like it was much of an issue. At first, that locker room seemed extremely tight. But then again, that was like three years ago. Um, Maybe things have changed since then. But like, I'm curious to know just how, um, I guess, country club-ish almost the Flyers locker room potentially could be. Well, I do routinely see guys in the background smoking cigars when the media is back there and you know, they, they are often talking about their golf game and drinking Arnold Palmer's and Larry David's there ordering a complex meal. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's just all it's all fucked up and they need to stop with this country club stuff and get rid of that organic food. And I, you know, I'm exaggerating here, but at the same time, there is something to be said about actually. I think people have accused this team in the past few years of not giving a shit, right? Yeah. Of, and that would certainly be something we would like to change because you did always have the fear back in the day. And this is, of course, where the, you know, Ed Snyder wouldn't allow this, blah, blah, blah. This is where they have a point because Ed Snyder would have been down there screaming in guys' faces himself if he was around for this kind of stuff. I think the the vibe of the Flyers right now reminds me so much of the vibe of the Minnesota Wild, like, two, three years ago. Like, the, the year... All right, so... um the COVID shortened year, 2019-20, the 
Wild were so like it was as country club as it can get. Like you had Miku Koivu, um, uh, Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter, and they were like these older guys who like yeah when like they were f- at, at, at that point they used to be good, and then at that point they were like meh, but they were treated like gods because um, tenure or whatever bogus reason. Hey, who brought all those guys in? Oh, who brought those yeah, guys who in? Yeah, did bring Minnesota? those guys in, huh? I Was believe it a Chuck Fletcher. I believe it might have been one Chucky two trades. Oh, oh, oh Char- Charlie no trades. <laughs> Charlie no yeah. trades. Jesus Christ, Charlie shit job. Get fired already. Get out of town. We don't want you here. But it just felt like everyone in that locker room was just so comfortable, just being and not not like there was nothing driving them to be better it just felt like they were so comfortable and there was nothing driving them to be better and that's how the flyers feel and then the, the what changed for the wild was kirill kaprizov showing up as soon as he showed up the whole team just the whole aura of the team changed completely and granted i know they still haven't won a playoff series and god knows how long but um still at least now they are a legitimately competitive hockey team. Um, Fleury is coming back. Uh, you still have Kaprizov, um, and uh, like you, and you still have some of those good veteran players. Like they have Matt Zuccarello, who at this point is probably past. He's definitely past his prime. He's well into his thirties, but he works perfectly with Kaprizov, and they just have like a, a much better constructed team now. And I feel like. There's urgency. It, it just feels like watching the wild now. There's more urgency. Where like back then, it was just guys coasting around and just not really giving it their a game. And that's so similar to what the Flyers feel like right now. Just I don't know. It just feels like there's a lot missing from the culture in the locker room. And hopefully Tortorella could like come in and fix it. But I feel like there's so much more than that needs fixing than just coaching. You know. Do you think they need one of those drill sergeants? Like, you know, when there's troubled teens that go on Jerry Springer or something like that, or Maury, and then they have to go off with this drill sergeant and go to boot camp, and then they get screamed at for a few <laughs> days. Do you think that's what the Flyers need? They need Maybe the Flyers need to be on Scared Straight, that show where they, like, take kids to prison. Yeah, and they just scream in their face, yeah. like, oh, you think you're tough? Yeah. It's like that, uh... You think you're a smart guy? You think you're smart? Look at me! I thought I was smart, now I'm here in prison! <laughs> like that Tom Segura joke. Where he's talking about the guy who's just shouting bikes at the kids or whatever. Like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, exactly. I feel like they just need to. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like Travis Konechny <laughs> and because Travis Konechny is the closest to like a punk kid, I think. And maybe like Cam York. Yeah. Going would... up and getting screamed yes. at it like a scared straight. Like, oh, what do you think? You're a tough guy. Huh? You're little chirps pissing guys off in the ice. Well, guess what? You piss somebody off out in the real world. You end up in here like me. Guy walks up to Travis, connect me. Hold my pocket. What? Hold my pocket. Okay. What the fuck? (laughs) But like, I don't know. I think, and I don't want to blame anyone on the flyers right now because like, I I don't, because I just don't really know. But it just feels like there's a lot of people who are really comfortable in the flyers locker room right now. And it seems. That's why I can't believe Chuck Fletcher didn't shake things up more. That's why I'm still mystified yeah. at this. You couldn't do anything to get Johnny Gaudreau because that's your perfect opportunity to just clear out a lot of stuff, 
shake up the locker room, and then anoint a new star player to build everything around. And instead, all he did was add Tony D'Angelo. Well, he also couldn't identify... And Nick DeLore. He also couldn't identify that they needed to shake things up in Minnesota either. Before it was too late, and then he lost his job. It's almost like he stinks. He stinks. It's almost like that. Oh, and they also brought in mm. Justin Braun. That's shaking it up a little bit. Yes! Uh, meet the new third-line right defenseman, same as the old third-line right defenseman. Perfect. Great. Uh, I love thinking about this team. We're just tired. Uh. We're just tired of this team. Like, I'm just... I'm, I'm really... I was. I'm t- I really wanted them to shake it up, and yeah. they did the opposite, and it really is... It was the most distressing thing possible. They can't even get Nazem Kadri. Kadri's still out there. He's still out there. Nobody's got well, him yet. Is he still out there? You think like, he's is got he a, actually You think he's got there? a secret contract until somebody can put a contract on LTIR? Secret, secret. I got a secret. I think he's going to the to the aisles. I feel like Lou is doing oh, that Lou gross. garbage. But then again, and... I say that'd be gross, but I didn't want the Flyers to sign him to a long-term deal because he's 31. Yeah. And he's never going to do, he's never going to have a season like he just had in Colorado again, unless he goes back to Colorado. The Islanders are like a perfect fit for, for Kadri because like one, I feel like he would truly, they're going to pay him a lot of money. Probably. I feel like he would enjoy it because like, I don't know, Long Island, like ain't that bad. And well, depending on the the part of Long Island, but like um, there's that he's going to get term. He'll probably be nice and comfortable there. Um, And yeah. And then the flyers don't have to, we don't have to worry about the flyers overpaying to get him. So, and it'll make the Islanders worse, which is great. That's what we want. That is what we want, but I also don't care anymore. Make the Flyers worse, bottom out, fire everybody, start yeah. Well, I mean, no matter how bad the Islanders are, there's no possible way they'll be worse than the Flyers. That's how I'm kind of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we're all upset right now. And you, you know who else is upset? I'm, I'm, I've had on in the background <laughs> this entire time. I've had an episode of The Bachelorette on because everybody's been clamoring for this batch update. I walk down the street, I go... Hey, Steve, you jerk off. Where's the batch update? And I, go, I don't know. I, I don't want to watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. But you know what? I throw it on in the background because we're a little thin for content today. And I decided to just, you know, take some random observations. I'll tell you what. There, I, I have not had the sound on. I know nothing about The Bachelorette. I know nothing. Okay? I don't know what these people's names are. There appear to be two women. Two Bachelorettes, <laughs> as far as I can discern. And one of them is very upset. She walked into a room of men and said, like, I'm upset, guys. And she could be talking about the Flyers. She could be talking about these guys <laughs> not uh, clamoring enough to win her attention. But I will say it has been a bizarre thing to have on in the background while doing this. I mean, it's out of context. Bachelorette is very strange at one point. So I think they're in Paris, from what I can discern. Uh one of the girl, one of the women was wearing a, was it trying on berets with one of the men at some point and said, I look like maybe a bald baby. So that's, that's a good <laughs> thing right there. And then like such a romantic city in the rain. Paris is just insane. Yikes. Paris. Yikes. Oh my goodness. Paris is just insane. Did they, was that a poem? Like what's going on here? That's, that's terrible. Just terrible. And then there was a boxing match between the guys for one of the Bachelorettes. I don't know why. I don't have absolutely no why. Just 
bizarre shit going on. And during that boxing match, the one woman got really upset and started crying. And she's like, I've been through so much rejection. It's really easy to get so down on yourself and feel unwanted. No one cares. I guess because, I don't know, the one group of guys was boxing and the other weren't. I don't know. Why do these shows exist? Why is this going on? Where's the windmill sex? I was about to say, they just, like, that's my thing with Bash. They need to have, like, bizarre structures for people to, like, have sex. Like, there needs to be windmills for people to have sex in, lighthouses. What else? What's another bizarre, um, I don't know, maybe, like, a barn, maybe a hobbit house that's, like, underneath the grass? I just want to see more banging is what I'm trying to say, you know. As a, a crude male, I just want to see more banging. Apparently, if you want to see that, what you want to do is watch Bachelor in Paradise. I see. I actually don't want to watch any of it because it's all crap to me. Oh my god, how far am I into this episode? There's 36 minutes left. I feel like I've been watching this for my entire life. It's like two hours long. This is insane. I will say, I did used to really like Batch. Like, unironically. It's hilarious to me. There's a couple, there's a French couple making out right now, and the guys are just watching them make out. It's really strange, and I'm actually uncomfortable. (laughs) That's why it's so funny. It's like, They'll just, like, sit around and, like, watch each other, like, go on dates and the amount of jealousy. Like, they're, it's – especially for Bachelorette, like, the dudes are down so bad through the, the entire show. And it's, like – Yeah. It's very funny. Oh, so Flora and Boris are experts in romance. So they were just making out in front of the guys, I guess, to show them how to make out or some shit. Oh, my God. What a show. Okay, we're going to do a quick fast forward and just see if – uh what's weird through the rest of it because this is where i'm at and this still is better than talking about the flyers at this point because the flyers just make me upset john tortorella is going to be upset that man is going to have a terrible year i'm i'm not i i do not envy john tortorella at all hayden if you do the radiation oh no that's about cancer that's not good (laughs) all right yeah no this is all this is uh this is torture for me so I think I'm going to stop right there. You know what we need to do? We need to not do the batch update. And in a couple of weeks, what we need to do instead of a batch update is better call Saul recap. Oh, we're going to do, we are going to do a full series wrap up for better. I can't wait for that. And I, but I need to leave the batch update to people that can actually stand to watch this show. So I got to get Kelly Hinkle who watches this already (laughs) to put something together. Uh, Kelly or Kelly on to talk about it. They apparently recorded it like the same time as us today though. So there was no chance of that happening, but uh, let's, we'll figure something out with Kelly before she can update this. Speaking of the uh, flagship show, um, it's hilarious because Charlie just tweeted a few minutes ago. Turns out, the way to be able to do an especially long episode of BSH Radio during the off-season off season is to talk about the not-flyers. And I said, welcome to the Flyperbole approach. That's pretty much how things work for the Flype, Flype gang. Oh, absolutely. From day one. You know, don't talk about the Flyers. It's you can't just, do that. It's just toxic. No, no. It's bad for your mental health. We spent more time talking about broadcasters than the Flyers this yes, time. Yes, we did. And that was for the best. And, you know, the one thing I want to talk about to end this show is maybe the the most unpleasant thing in hockey, and that's Evgeny Malkin, who just got a Lion King cake from his family. I, I guess it was his birthday or something. I don't know how trolls age, but <laughs> it was Rafiki from the Lion King lifting presumably his fourth Stanley Cup over his head, and I don't know what his family is thinking. That's just cruel to tease the man like that, because... That team ain't winning a cup this year. I know my team ain't. 
But the other team, Pennsylvania, sure shit ain't winning the cup either. It's the ugliest cake I've ever... It's a rock. The cake is a rock. And it's a, just a terrible looking cake. I don't know what he's saying. Now, are Simba and um, Nala and Muf... Wait, I'm confused here. So there's Simba and Nala, but then there's a baby on top of Simba's head. So is that Maybe Simba? That's and- the one from the end of the movie. Did they have a baby lion at the end of the movie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And then they made a bunch of straight to DVD sequels after that. And it was like a lion with a mohawk or some shit. So are they looking at this photo? Are they cake too? I mean, that could be Mufasa. It could, but he looks too young to be, to be Mufasa. Looks too young. <laughs> yeah. Can you see the the lines on his face? <laughs> yeah, there's no smile lines. It's... Also, this is a cake lion. This is all cake. This is the show. Is a cake? Actually, the entire Malkin family is cake. <laughs> Everything's cake, Steve. Everything is cake. Yeah. Their child is cake. It's going to be tragic when they find out. And it turns out every Stanley Cup Evgeny Malkin has ever it's won cake, is actually, actually. cake. Yeah, was... So it, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. He's never actually won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> no. It's all been cake. But I just thought this was so funny. Like, I'm sure they thought this was adorable, right? Oh, it gets four cup. But Malkin in the back of his head's like, this team is not, it's not going to happen. I hope that it's not going to happen, Gino. Okay. People tried to tell me like, oh, the Penguins are like, nah, 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 nah. I don't know if the Malkin. Number one, Malkin's got to stay healthy for more than like 10 games this year. Okay. And then Crosby can't have any more like mystery surgeries, like uh, two days before the season starts. And their goaltending has to stay consistent and they have to find defensemen who are not Chris Letang. Christopher Letang. Letang. I don't know if the Malkin family has a dog, but if they do, I hope it jumps. I hope it jumped onto the table and like took a big bite out of that ugly fucking cake. (laughs) I was going to ask what Lion King, I guess is Evgeny Malkin a huge Lion King fan or something? I would presume it's the kid who's a big Lion King fan. But is it, but is it Malkin's cake? With the cups? Because you oh, usually get the cake question. for the... Right. Like, is he, is he just, like, going around singing <laughs> yeah. the Kuna Matata in the <laughs> Penguins locker Because if, if it is the kid's cake, that's very, like, egotistical to insert your own bullshit into your kid's cake. Well, no, I, I mean, is it the... You, you're presumably saying, though, it's the opposite, where, well... Okay, so it's either, well, I think Malkin is the one who likes the Lion King. <laughs> You're saying that either the kids influenced his father's cake, or the father has influenced the kids' cake in some way. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Malkin's cake. I think Malkin loves the Lion King, is what this has all come down to. I think he's a big OG Lion King fan right there. I mean, it would make sense, right? Like, that's right when he's growing up. It's a, a huge influence right there. All right. I'm I'm gonna so she posted this on Instagram, but it's in Russian. I don't know what it says. You speak Russian. We. Oui. No, no, I <laughs> used to speak Russian, but then I had a brain injury and I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. yeah. I only know Niet and Da. So what she said in the Instagram post is, "How do you like the idea for our lion? Whose cake is this? Whose <laughs> <laughs> cake does it? Who does this belong to? I think I think Malkin is the lion, and they're presenting the fourth cup to him. That fantasy world—that's insane. He it is. Oh man, could you know what? He could have been a flyer. He could have. 
Should have brought him home, Chuck. Should have brought him home. He deserves to be a one. Just when I was a young warthog. That's the only thing that would have made this offseason good is if um, Chuck Fletcher trolling. dedicated the the entire offseason to trolling the Penguins and their fans. Like, how better to troll the Penguins than sign their favorite troll? It would be great. That's the best way to do it, you know? You know, it's just a disappointment across the board. Paul Holmgren would have done it. If Paul... So, Paul Holmgren, his crazy ass, if he hadn't brought in Johnny Gaudreau, which I think he would have made happen, because Paul Holmgren, he's not playing chess or checkers. He's flipping the board over and lighting it on fire. If he didn't bring him in, he would have gone for Max Chaos and tried to bring Malkin in or something. Everyone calls Paul Holmgren Homer. We should call him Homie, because he's got our back. Oh, man. That was rough, right? That was rough right there. <laughs> Holmgren did this twice, though. Holmgren did this twice because he signed Yager and he signed Talbot. He did. It's fun. Like, it's... It's fun. It's fun to do that. Take former Penguins and make them flyers and just, like... Yeah, I don't ruin know. the memory for the Penguins fans of that player. It's fantastic. They're still bitter about Yager. Yeah. And it would... It just would have been so fun to see, like, Malkin as a flyer being ugly it would just it would be really awesome i mean it would be rough to watch but like he probably would have played a couple good games of hockey he'd have those stupid ear cuffs on imagine him and connecting all the same in the same locker room i <laughs> i was thinking on the same line and <laughs> there would be a lot of illegal shit that would happen in a an average shift for those guys together. yeah oh yeah yeah i'm just imagining connecting just chirping him with his ear his ear cuffs every single day at practice. Hey, Malkin. Way to take those off, bud. I told you all week. You look like a robot or something, bud. The chirping would not stop. Can't stop. Won't stop yeah. with TK. The jerk store. Uh, I'm glad I'm not a hockey player know. because my chirps are bad. You got to work on your chirps, man. You got to, you know, go to chirp school. Get tr- chirp drill sergeant to scream in your face. Go those chirps, son. <laughs> Oh man! So who do you think who do you think is <laughs> which character in the Lion King is Evgeny Malkin? Because he certainly isn't Simba or Mufasa. He's not even Rafiki. Is and I, he's not funny enough to be Timon or Pumbaa. So he's Scar of the hyenas, right? Well, I think in the cake he's depicting himself as Rafiki because he's holding up the four of Stanley Cup. No, no, he's the lion. They're present. He's the lion. He's Mufasa or or adult Simba, whatever. Okay, that, so the, the way I'm looking was. at it is he's Rafiki is preventing the Stanley Cup to Evgeny Malkin. The way I look at it is Rafiki is holding it up in in like like he's he just won it, right? But they're calling him the lion. So is in Malkin's <laughs> mind, he is the Lion King, he's, the King of Lions. If he's a lion. He's going to be the ugliest line in the movie. And it's yeah, got to be Scar. So that's why he's Scar. He's got to be Scar. <laughs> there we go. You cannot escape that conclusion. Scar- that and Scar 100%. looked bad, man. He looked raggedy. He had like... That's why he was called Scar. His mane was all like fucked up. And like he yeah. just looked all battered and beaten. And just like he got just like an awesome powers. He looked like he got beaten with an ugly stick. Like that's pretty much what we're dealing with here in Mr. Malkin. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> good i'm glad we came to the same conclusion there I'm it would have to be scar yeah and oh you know what you to... what am i talking about he's one of the fucking hyenas 
I said it was Scar Hyena. Okay, you did say it. Okay, I missed that part. I did say it. He's the goofy one with the eyes going like, the <laughs> oh, he's, way. And... Yeah, it's got to be one. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. two. Yeah, definitely. No, the goofy one. Yeah, because there's like the Whoopi Goldberg one. And then I feel like there's like the middle one. Yeah. And then there's the goofy one. And the goofy one is Malkin. Yeah. And the other two are Crosby and Latang. There we go. It's done. And Ron Hextall's Scar. <laughs> Why, also, why did you have to? Why did you have to mention Austin Powers? Because when I think of Austin Powers, unfortunately, my brain immediately goes to Fat Bastard. And I, goddamn, like those are those are movies that were very funny to me when I was a dumbass in the '90s, and I watch now, and I'm like, good lord, what am I watching? But now, but if I think of Fat Bastard, I'm going to think of the dumbest shit and laugh about it. And I'm just thinking of him doing the stupid Chili's baby back rib song. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back ribs. Oh, my God. What a movie. Very dumb, but <sighs> somehow very iconic. It's very Mike Myers. Oh, yeah. It's very Mike Myers for you. And at one point, one of my comedy heroes. And now he makes shows about the Illuminati that are on Netflix where he plays like 16 characters. And yeah, it's 2022, folks. It's 2022. Where's my Netflix show? I, and now the streaming bubble's going to burst because of this Discovery HBO Max shit. So now we're just, we're, I'm never going to get my, my pointless uh, Netflix show that I've been, I've been hoping to get for years now. So, <sighs> oh, well, I'm sweaty. We got to end the show. It's really hot. <laughs> it is hot. It's extremely it's hot. It's really hot. I'm so sweaty. I got to turn my fan on. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, the best, pl- the best place to reach us is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. Quiggs, where can people find you on the Twitter machine? You know, Steve, on the Twitter machine, people can find me at Ryan Quiggs with a Z, like zebra. Um, that's where they can find... Z if you're in Canada. Oh, yes, like just like in Canada. Um, yes. So that's where they can find me on Twitter, where you can keep up with my exciting life and uh, things along those lines. Oh, Steve, wow. Steve, where can people find you? Oh, wow, people can find me at Flavortown at Flyperbole. Or at Estee Bomb, but for hockey purposes, make it fly verbally. How about that? Folks, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go and cool off. But until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good night. Wow, 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 w